Our tree bait episode has been pushed to next week because we have an outside the box main topic that you're really going to like. So we'll talk possible tree baits next week. Uh, we are also going to talk about the all-star selections today, the NHL's outdoor plans for 2020, a final summary of the 2019 World Juniors, and lots more in the rapid fire. Episode 153 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Before we go any further, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia like we do every week. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am, yes. All right, this time I have the question in front of me. Question 41 is as follows. How many players return to NHL action after becoming Hall of Fame members? A, only one guy, and that was Mario Lemieux. B, two players. C, three players. Or D, six players. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's say D, six players. That's a very tough guess. Uh, and a very tough question. Uh, the correct answer was three. Wow. Okay. Uh, Gordy Howe, Guy Lafleur, and Mario Lemieux were the three. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that there's less of them. I don't know why I picked six, but <laughs> I honestly I would have guessed one because I because Mario is obviously the most well known. Right, out right. Of that. Like it was well documented that he retired and and then uh, went into an ownership role or an executive role of some sort and then came back and uh, like he never left. So, yeah. He's the most notable, but uh, I figured if it was more than one, Gordy Howe would be involved in some way. Yeah. Oh well. Um. <laughs> Guy Fleur is interesting, though. I I didn't I didn't think Guy Lafleur uh, would be on that list, but I guess right. I guess I'm not more of a I guess I'm not as much of a hockey historian as I thought I was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That, that is interesting, though. Um. Okay. So. Uh, right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense that it's, it's less. Anyways, let's go to the main topic here. Um, so like Steve mentioned in the, in the start of the show, uh, our, we were going to do a trade bait episode and look at players who were possibly going to be traded by the deadline. Cause it's around that time when we start to be thinking about that, but we're going to postpone that talk till next week at least um assuming because yeah, like we were thinking you know there's no star players getting traded next right. week or are we getting right but then um i started to notice that robin leonard uh was at the top of the save percentage charts and the gaa charts um in terms of he has one of the worst he has one of the best gaas he's first in the league in G gaa um, and then he has a save percentage. Um, uh, he's in second in the save percentage. So I thought it was worth uh, talking about. Uh, we have a couple of other goalies who have kind of been surprising in, um, in how they've been doing so far this year. So, um, so we're going to start with Robin Leonard. Like I mentioned, 
Um, he has a very, he's been doing very well. He's played in 27 games. Um, he's 11, five and 11, six and three, um, nine with a nine twenty eight save percentage, um, which puts him second in the league, uh, behind Jack Campbell. Um, and, uh, he's also first in the league in GAA with 2.18 GAA. Um, he also, um, has since he has 11 wins he is uh 26 and wins so his wins i mean i guess that's partially has to do with the fact that like thomas grice has also played a bit um, yeah the, the islanders like i thought they would in the early start of the season they would go with a 1a 1b system. right and that's sort of but been the case um except now it seems like robin leonard has been the starter um he's he's been playing like the last like five games for them so um so it seems like robin leonard is the actual starter but that's part of the reason why he's not in the wins um he's not up there with wins yet um maybe he'll get there eventually um but yeah no like with these numbers and if he keeps it up he he's certainly going to be um a vezina candidate if not a vezina winner um it just really depends on how uh how they how important uh the voters take wins into account um so so there's that but yeah no he's been very impressive um it's also kind of like a good comeback story he at least will get a masterton uh nomination because if uh there was a story last year uh last in the summer where uh, we find out that he uh, he suffered he realized he suffered from bipolar disorder, he was uh, take he's abusing drugs, um, I think particularly painkillers, um, and um, he had thoughts about suicide last year, um, and uh, and now he's on a different team uh, in New York. He also. Um, has uh if you remember Barry Trotz is the coach in the island right now and his uh goal goal coaching guru uh, in Mitch Korn has kind of helped both Leonard and Grice in uh becoming who they are right now um like so like Mitch Korn has helped out Pekka Rene um early on and Braden Holtby um so it's like like this, Mitch Korn's like a genius, I guess. Um, if he if we didn't think so already, but um, can we call him the goaltender whisperer or something? Yeah, maybe that's his title already. I was gonna call him like the goalie guru or something, but somebody please uh, check Wikipedia yeah. or LinkedIn or anything that says his translation. Right, Russian. but um, yeah. So my, I mean, I guess my first question is: is like, is this sustainable? Is Robin Leonard going to be this good throughout, or? Um, is this just a r- ridiculous hot streak right now? Well, um, let's take into account that he's been in this league for a while, and while he's had a pretty good year, he's put up decent numbers before. It's just that he's getting the results now. Um, he had a 935 save percentage in 12 games with the Sens back in 2012-2013. That was the year when they had Bishop and Anderson on that team, and all three goalies were playing well. Um, in his first two years with Buffalo, he had a C percentage of 920 or better. And in uh, the second of those two seasons, he played in 59 games. Um, but if you take a look at his combined record, it was 28, 35, and 13. So again, not getting the results there. 
and he faced almost 2,000 shots um, when he played 59 games back in 2016-2017. Um, and even when his GA was over three last year with Buffalo, he still had a 908 save percentage in 53 yeah. games. But like you said, he wasn't completely sober during that time, and now he's got a clear head, and he's playing well under Barry Trotz. Um, Mitch Korn has done a good job with him. Now he's getting the results. He's got seven straight wins. Um, like you said, really good save percentage. During that seven-game win streak, he's given up one goal or less in all but two of those outings. And in the last two outings, he's given up a combined five goals against, but his save percentage has been over 900 in both of those games. Yep. And in half of his starts, he's faced at least 30 shots. So I think for the short term, the success is here to stay. I can also see the success carrying over for many more years beyond this year if he plays with the right system in front of him. Um, like like you said, Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn have been um, doing great things with the Islanders so far. They did great things in Washington from a defensive perspective and in it led to a Nashville. Stanley Cup title last year. Um, and in so Nashville if, back when uh, Barry Trotz was there. Yeah, yeah, even Nashville as well. So um, I think if Leonard stays with the Islanders beyond this year or he goes to another team that plays the right structure that best complements his game, he can easily flourish in this league. I mean, look at what Brian Elliott and Jake Allen were able to do together with the Blues under Ken Hitchcock. True. Elliott had a GAA below 1.6 and a 9.40 save percentage in his first year with the Blues. And in the four seasons after that, GAA below 2.3 in each of those four seasons. And then Jake Allen started off well in his career uh, with the Blues. Um, and even even Halak, when he went to St. Louis, he had a GAA below 2.4 in three yeah. straight years. So true. there's no there's no stopping Robin Leonard from doing the same with the Islanders or with any other team, so long as it's a good fit, both uh, personally and uh, from a results standpoint. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, ever since he came out as saying that, like, he, he almost committed suicide and he's he's sober now, um, like, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. So I do hope that he, uh, he can sustain in this, but the other part of me, like, the more, like, um, I don't know, I guess analytical side is just thinking, like, I don't know, maybe he can't. So um, I hope. I hope for the best for him. Um, it does seem like he he's a different goaltender now, um, but uh, yeah, we could be looking at like the future Vezina and uh, Masterton award winner um, at the same time. So um, yeah, there's that. But I, I um, feel like all goalies have a shelf life, and we're starting to see that more right. and more with Carey Price and Brayden Holtby and the struggles they've had the past couple yeah. of years. From point of view though so yeah and that that was the other thing that you kind of touched upon is that like you know he's been in the league for eight years right now but at the same time he's only 27 years old so mm -hmm. that means that he still has a couple more years left in him um i think you're right though in the short term i think uh like i i believe in barry trotz and mitch corn enough they've kind of proven that they they know what they're doing um enough that you know, I think uh, he's going to be pretty good this season. Um, yeah, like the Islanders roster last yeah. year is relatively unchanged, and, and yeah. they're much better defensively. 
Yeah, I will. Yeah, apparently they've let, or not apparently, they have. Um, they have allowed the second fewest goals um, in the league from a team, not just, you know, not Robin Leonard, but like if you combined Grice and uh, Leonard, uh, they have the least amount of goals. Uh, they've given the least amount of goals out of any team. Um, the second least. Um, but another thing is, is like, you mentioned St. Louis. They play uh, the Islanders played St. Louis. He gave Leonard gave up three goals. They gave up. He gave up two goals uh, the day before uh, the a couple days before to Chicago. Um, and then he gave up a goal um, in Buffalo on the thirty first of December. So um, you know it's kind of like showing that maybe he's going to be more of a three goal. Like he's going to allow three goals or two goals and not be like as dominant. So that's where I'm not sure about if he's going to be this good um, where he's, you know, on the top of the save percentage charts and the GAA charts. But um, I think he'll be, you know, he's going to be one of the more improved players that of the year, if not the most improved player. Um, yeah, and I don't he doesn't think have to light the league on fire to no. be considered the best goalie in the league. If he can be right. just consistent enough, giving up two or three goals a game, and his team keeps winning, yeah, like that's good enough. Yeah, and in fact, like when I'm looking at the the leaderboards for like GAA and save percentage, like a lot of these are like it seems so like I don't know um, weird because it's like you know you would expect Hellebuck to be up there. Um, I guess Gibson and Anderson are up there, but like, um, you know, the top ones are Jack Campbell, uh, Leonard, Halleck, uh, DeSmith, Kudobin, Ulmark, uh, Gibson and Anderson, who I mentioned, McElhaney, Ben Bishop, who should be up there too. So uh, Vasilevsky's number 12, um, Rene's 13. I mean, they were up for Vezina, and Hellebuck isn't even up here. So it's like, um, so it's like, I feel like it's a changing of the guards for goaltenders too, where a lot more backups are, um, are like actually doing well. Um, and I think, I think that also will help Leonard yeah. as well, because he's not being used as much as someone like John Gibson or Frederick Anderson. Right, right. Uh, David Riddick, will talk to speaking of backups who are now starters, um, yeah, that's exactly who David Riddick has kind of become. He, uh, we kind of mentioned about this too when we talked about the Flames way back when, um, was like Mike Smith wasn't uh, doing so well, and then David, as soon as David Riddick came in, they, you know, the Flames kind of became this really good team, um, and uh, so now Riddick has enough to, uh, enough games in where you can kind of say that he's. He's become a starter. Um, he's 14, four and three uh, with a two, uh, 2.37 GAA. Uh, that puts him seventh in the league. Um, he has a 921 save percentage, which puts him 11th in the league. Um, he's 14th in wins with 14. Um, again, that's an, that's an, more more to do with the fact that, um, you know, Mike, Mike Smith's still playing a bit. Uh, Dave Riddick was also um, injured like day to day this week, uh, although he did play on Saturday. So um, there's that. But um, yeah, it's uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I guess, can we ask, is this guy going to be sustainable or not? Well, I, I think out of the young goalies in this league, um, I think for the immediate future, this is the guy that shows the biggest promise. Um, if you take a look at some of his stats before he arrived in the uh, NHL in 2016-2017, he played in the AHL. Um, 31 games worth of action. He had a GAA of 2.27, 924 save percentage. Um, his numbers took a dive the following year, um, but in that season, he got eight wins with the big club in Calgary. Yep. Um, the issue was that his GAA was close to three last right. year. And a uh, save this, percentage of nine hundred. But this year, it's it's much better. Um, and he's only given up more than three goals on just three occasions. Uh, the grain of salt to keep in mind with that stat is that two of those games took place over his last five outings. In his defense, though, that was against Tampa Bay with a very potent offense and San Jose also with a very potent offense. And Calgary, because they have a very potent offense, was able to still get three or four points in those two games. Um, if you take a look at his workload, in six of his first 24 appearances, he's faced 35-plus shots. Um, the Flames have done a very good job of limiting the other team's chances, and that further helps David Riddick because the less rubber a goaltender has to face, the better your chances are of winning hockey games. But you know, a, a lot of critics are going to say, well, Carolina hasn't given up too many shots, and their goalies disproved that theory. And to an extent, Calgary hasn't really proven that theory this year, uh, case in point that uh, game against the Flyers. But uh, in those big moments... I've seen David Ritter come up with some amazing saves to keep his team in the game or keep it tied or keep them ahead or keep them in a game. And he's done that more often than Mike Smith at the moment. So I would not be surprised if this trend continues and he takes the number one job away from Mike Smith if he hasn't already. Um, he's an energetic guy. He's competitive. He wants to win. Uh, he seems to thrive in those big situations. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going to last. Though. I don't know what the longevity of his career is going to be like, but I think it's going to be one where he's trusted to lead his team into the postseason for a couple of times at least. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to say how good he will be during that stretch because I don't trust the Bill Peters experiment just yet. It looks very good so far offensively, but um, – Calgary's defense and Calgary's goaltending has been so inconsistent the past couple of years. Um, I'm worried it could revert to the state it was in last year. So that's why I'm hesitant to uh, bet the house and the farm on Riddick. Yeah. But he's got the potential to be a promising goaltender in this league. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement to make because it's not like, like for Robin Leonard, like we know what he's been capable of and there's more out there. Versus Riddick, he's only played like 20 games um, before, 22 games before the season. So, um, and, and in those 22 games, he wasn't necessarily that great to begin with. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he was almost a three, he almost had a three GAA um, and he had a 904 save percentage. So, um, so it's not like, uh, you know, this seems kind of out of the ordinary for him because we kind of expect him to like the ball to drop almost. Um, mm -hmm. However, having said that, I mean, the flames do look, they do have a pretty good defense um, in front of them um, when they have, you know, a guy like Mark Giordano 
um, and Noah Hannafin has kind of come into his own as well. So, um, and TJ Brody's kind of underrated in terms of like the defensive side of things. And um, so, um, and I, I do remember like last year, speaking of Bill Peters, like um, even though Carolina didn't win a ton of games, um, like their possession numbers um, and their advanced stats like showed that they were actually one of the better teams in the league. So if this is like a lot like like those teams, um, then like you know it's just better goaltending. Um, then I think uh, you know maybe there is something to Riddick uh, maintaining this kind of uh, pace that he has. So um, yeah, it's one of those things that we'll see. I I'm I'm tend to be more on the optimistic side on this than you are. I feel like, but um, I think so far he's been good, and I'm I'm prepared for him to suddenly start to stink as we approach the midway point of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're yeah, actually I think on the, the second half of the season is going to be very very huge. For yeah, him. and and the midway point is actually like right now. Anyways, so it's like yeah, exactly starting this week. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, that, that is a good point. Um, all right. Uh, the, we have two more goalies to get to. Um, and these ones are kind of harder to predict because they haven't played as many games, um, at, that we've, so we haven't seen a ton. So it's, we're going to have to go by small sample size here. Um, <laughs> but the first one we're going to talk about is Mackenzie Blackwood who is also injured. He has a lower body injury, um, so uh, we may not see him for a bit, but um, I, I I did talk to him. I did talk about him a lot last week in our episode because he, he kind of had a coming out party um, where he like stopped 42 shots um, against the Bruins. Um, it was actually 40 of 42, but 40 yeah, of 42. he was tested. Or, yeah, you know, 40, 40, then, I mean, still, test, so. it's still impressive, yeah. yeah. Um, and um and then he uh he sided that up with uh, two straight shutouts um i think he was like the first rookie ever to have two consecutive shutouts like that um yeah he had uh he shut out the carolina hurricanes and he shut out the vancouver canucks um oh almost like on on new year's eve um, and then, um, but then what ended up happening was on January 2nd, he gave up five goals. Um, and then, uh, to Dallas, um, and then, um, and then it seems like he got injured, um, in the next game against Arizona where he only made eight saves, um, and didn't give up a goal. So, um, yeah, it's it seems like this. It's going to be tough to see exactly how um, we don't have a ton to go off of because those were the only games that he actually played in. Um, however, having said that, um, he has a one point eight three GAA, a save percentage of nine forty seven save percentage. Um, since he's only played five uh, eight games um, and six of them he started in, uh, we don't have a ton to go off of. Um, like he's he doesn't count in the stats of things, so uh, we don't know where he would compare. But um, if he were to be up there, he would be first on both save percentages and goals against average um, for sure. Um, 
and uh yeah i mean i think for blackwood we kind of like mentioned this before but like you know like Corey schneider has not been good um you know he hasn't won a regulation game in almost a year and now he's injured um keith kincaid has been okay he hasn't been great um in in that absence and you know last year it seemed like Keith Kincaid could have taken over the starting role and now it seems like he's he's kind of like not been that way uh he has a three GAA and a save percentage of 900 so it's like he's not really stealing the job so like this is the time I know that Blackwood's injured right now and I I don't think it's too serious um but I think this would be the time for Blackwood to actually, um, you know, actually become the starter. Um, I know he's 22 years old and all that stuff, but um, he has the potential to be, uh, you know, really good um, in that sense. Um, Because he, you know, it's funny too, because like the Devils didn't have Marty Brodeur. Um, you know, they have had Marty Bordeaux for 20 years. They kind of lucked out with him because he's one of the best goaltenders of our time. And then they may find like another goaltender. It's like the Blues kind of want, um, the Blues or, or Philly would want to like some of the, their magic that's in New Jersey somehow. Cause you know, he's been, Blackwood's been pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you, you talked about how last week you didn't really know too much about him, so I got the four-on-one about Blackwood before yep. he became an NHL goaltender. First off, he's from Thunder Bay. You know who else is from Thunder Bay? Uh, some guy named Matt Murray, and he's got two cups under his belt. So, no, not bad. Um, I, I, Thunder Bay might uh, be onto something here with their goaltenders. Yeah, it's like um, uh, Cole Harbor with their um, yeah, with their, fo- Cole their, Harbor with their yeah. superstar players. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, the reason I know a bit more about Mackenzie Blackwood is because, as you know, I watch OHL hockey. The 67s right. are the local uh, hockey team here in Ottawa. And um, the Barry Colts are also in the OHL, and that's who uh, Blackwood played for during his OHL career. Um, just taking a look at uh, some of his stats uh, in the OHL, in his last season he posted a 2.72 goals against average and a 9.21 save percentage. He had 28 wins that year. Um, his stats weren't as great in those fronts the year before, but he still got 33 wins. Um, this year, he's registered a 2.69 GAA and 9.11 save percentage in 15 AHL games. And I can tell you that he is an AHL All-Star this year. He got invited to the All-Star game there. Um, Compared to the year before, the year before was pretty rough for him, but in his first AHL season, it was at 2.55. Um, so he's he's had to overcome some obstacles in his career, but he's he's been able to adjust. He's been able to get better in uh, some of the previous leagues he's played in. So um, this start doesn't surprise me as much knowing that information. And if you take a look at um, what he's gone up against to start his NHL career, you mentioned... Of course, the two shutouts against Carolina and Vancouver, um, the 40 of 42 shots he stopped against Boston. In the Dallas game, he faced 40 shots. Um, he turned aside 36 of 38 against the Jackets. In his relief appearances, he's faced Columbus um, in another game and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are kind of good hockey teams. So. 
Um, it's not like this guy hasn't faced serious competition in the NHL yet. He's gone up against a lot of potent offenses, and he's done rather well. Um, but like you said, I'm a bit hesitant to say if this will translate into short-term or long-term success because he's only appeared in eight NHL yeah. games. Um, but um, I, I think it's possible that he could have a good NHL career. Like I said, if he's in the right system, uh, if he's used um, properly by his head coach and uh, their head coach, John Hines got a multi-year extension from the New Jersey Devils. He appears to have a good track record of mentoring the young guys, which Blackwood is. Um, And I think uh, under John Hines, uh, Blackwood uh, could benefit uh, from uh, John Hines being his coach. Um, the trick is that John Hines has been dealing with pretty much the same team as last year. Their goaltending was A minus to A plus level for most of that time. And this year has not gone according to plan. Uh, the one thing I will say is that Corey Schneider should be fearing for his job because for the first time ever as a New Jersey Devil, um, someone might kick Corey Schneider to the curb. Um, I think the main reason why Corey Schneider has been around with the Devils is because none of their young goaltending prospects have really shown that they can play at the NHL level until Mackenzie Blackwood showed up. And now that he's playing well, and if he continues to play well, uh, Corey Schneider doesn't look very good because not only has he not won in over a year, he's also been pretty banged up the past couple of years. And you can't really do much to help your team if you're not on the ice right yeah yeah that's true i mean yeah i guess it's a little premature to call compare him to martin brodeur but um but yeah no uh, in in terms of so far it is a small sample size um he has been uh pretty good so far at least um so Mm -hmm. so there's that um and then the last goalie we're going to talk about is someone who hasn't even played, uh, who has played even less games than Blackwood, but has been um, even more impressive because he's th- he hasn't lost yet. I mean, he's lost in overtime, but um, he he's three zero and one. Colin Delia, uh, he is not his save percentage is nine fifty two, and his GAA is one point nine eight which is uh, very impressive. I see here that he's playing Calgary tonight, and I think, uh, so it's going to be, it's funny because the two goaltenders we're going to be talking about are both playing together uh, tonight. And it, and it should be noted that the Blackhawks played Pittsburgh last night, yep. and we're recording this on Monday, so last night we're talking Sunday, and Cam Ward got the start in that game. So because this is a back-to-back, they're probably going to go with Delia yeah. against Calgary. Well, no, That's in fact, it. Delia's already confirmed for tonight. Okay, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he will play against Calgary. Then. And so, and Riddick has already been confirmed for uh, for Calgary as well. So, yeah. um, so this could t- this could totally ruin our main topic. Okay. Perfect. Oh, possibly. I mean, it, unless it's like <laughs> a if it's like a five, uh, four game t- type thing. Then yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, but both goalies give up like six goals. Six goals. Yeah. <laughs> both both their save percentage and GA are are through the roof. But yeah, no. Um, anyways, Delia um, has only played in four games, um, but still impressive, obviously, because because um, he hasn't lost yet. Um, I mean, he's lost in overtime, but 
Uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, but like in, lost in regulation, and yeah. considering the Blackhawks have lost a lot in regulation, that's still that's very impressive. And I, you know, I looked at the AHL, um, his AHL stats. He's he's been pretty good in the AHL. Uh, like this year, he had uh, he's played in seventeen games. He has a two point three four GAA and a save percentage of nine thirty three um, in seventeen games. Uh, last also year, also an AHL All Star, by the way, like Mackenzie yeah. Blackwood. Um, and like last year, isn't at he wasn't as impressive, but he had a very good playoffs. Um, in the AHL, where he he went uh, two point three four, he had a two point three four GAA and a save percentage of nine twenty four in ten playoff games. Um, although his uh, regular season numbers weren't great because he had a two point seven two GAA and a nine hundred save percentage in twenty eight games. So, um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, no, like. I feel like the Blackhawks are in a similar position as the Devils are um, and even the, the Flames are where, you know, they haven't had, like, you know, well, Corey Crawford's injured, um, but he wasn't really doing great when he was healthy um, this year. And Cam Ward um, has, you know, has had his moments, but he's certainly not what, uh, what he was what, in Carolina. He's not what Chicago needs to win hockey. Exactly. So, um, and and like I mean, Chicago is basically out of the playoff run, anyways. But I I think Deli, you kind of have to ride with Delia right now because he's mm-hmm. been the hotter goalie, um, and you know he could be the. And I was like when when Corey Crawford was injured, um, just now a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of worried about. The Blackhawks future because I was like the Blackhawks didn't seem to have a um a future goaltender to uh to man the pipes um when Crawford's out um and it looks like Delio's kind of answered the call um at least for now obviously it's still a like a small sample size and but at the same time it's like it's hard to be angry at him right now um, I don't think it's going to continue uh, just because I feel like like we hadn't even heard of this guy before, before um, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. So I feel like there is something to that where this is like, it's almost like an Andrew Hammond type thing um, where like, uh, like someone who was okay in the AHL um, but then all of a sudden starts to pick it up for a season um, in the NHL. Um, so I don't know. Uh, however, I, I mean, I would love to be proven wrong. I just don't know if it's going to be sustainable. Yeah, well, especially considering, uh, you know, what the Hawks are right now. Right, and, exactly. And uh, to, to dispute your point, uh, we have heard of Colin Dillia before. He made okay. it possible for Scott Foster to play an NHL hockey game because he got hurt. Oh, right. Um, Forsberg got hurt playing soccer. He got the start. He gets hurt in the third period. Then Scott Foster comes in. Right. That, so, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that – but that's all we knew him for. So we right. didn't know – um, yeah, you, you know, only played. Was, I'm looking you know, here. You only, last year or anything like that. I'm looking here. You only played uh, two games, and he had like a 3.96 GAA. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so in those two games, he hasn't been as impressive. 
Um, yeah, that was yeah. two games last year. But you yeah. look at his first four starts this year. Right, right. Faced at least 30 shots in all of them. Um, taking a look at the individual stats, 35 of 36 stopped against Colorado. That was his season debut. He got the win there. Uh, turns aside 46 of 48 against a strong Minnesota team. So that's win number two. Goes back to Colorado, stops 30 of 32, wins again. And in an overtime loss to the Islanders, he stops 47 of 50 shots and gets his team a point. So in those four starts, he stopped 158 of 166 shots. And again, like Blackwood, that's against serious competition. Two games against Colorado's potent top line. A game against the Islanders who have a lot of weapons of their own, like Matt Barzell, who scored a very good goal against them, by the way. Uh, and then Minnesota, they have some offensive weapons there too. And now he's going up against Calgary in his fifth start. It'll be interesting to see how he fares there. Um, and like Mackenzie Blackwood, there's a young NHL coach at the helm named Jeremy Colleton. He's uh, worked with uh, Colin Delia before at the AHL level. So um, you wonder how smooth the transition has been from that standpoint. Right. So there's, I, I think, I think there's a chance that he could be the goalie of the future for the Hawks, but it all depends on the coaching system. It all depends on the team around him because yeah. as impressive as these stats have been, let's not forget who the Hawks are. Let's not forget the fact that they're probably not making the playoffs and they're probably going to be in the running for Jack Hughes. Let's not forget that Chicago's not expected to do much of anything this year. And um, so long as the Hawks stay the way they are, um, I don't think he's going to be this dominant. I think he's going to be a good goaltender, but the team in front of him has to be better. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, is like the team in front of him. Although at the same time, like they've kind of been upping their offensive abilities and um, and all that stuff. So they could be a team to watch for out for in the second half. But I think you're right. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, uh, but they may like be a, like a bubble team more than a lottery team. Um, but it's it's reassuring definitely to see him playing this well despite true. the fact that the Hawks haven't been good. Yeah, and it's also like, I mean, the same can be said for, I, I guess my point beforehand when you were saying like in terms of have we heard of him before, uh, like compared to Blackwood and Riddick, we kind of had heard of them before, whereas Delia, this seems to be like his coming out party where we actually have... You know, because Blackwood was kind of like a top goalie prospect, um, yeah. and Riddick has played a couple of games before um, in the NHL. So we have kind of heard of them uh, before. Mm -hmm. Whereas Delia, we haven't really uh, gotten a, a full glance of what he's capable of, um, right. just to start off at. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it's good. It could be sustainable, but it's really hard, tough to say just because of the small sample size. So, um, yeah, you might be right that, like, just because the Blackhawks are bad right now, um, that could be the, the big factor here. Yeah. Um, let's go to our are they for real section. Um, okay. Uh, so we're, we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they are 23, 13, and 6. Um, they are second in the, uh, Metropolitan Division, um, 
I uh, they also have a young diff goaltender here uh, that we hadn't had a huge um, like pedigree ahead of time. Speaking of which, but um, in Casey DeSmith, but mm -hmm. um, it does seem like uh, Matt Murray has gotten into his groove now. Uh, so um, it seems like Matt Murray is going to be more of the starter than Casey's DeSmith. But DeSmith didn't do badly, didn't do poorly, didn't do bad. I don't know what the right phrase is. Badly is not a word, um, I don't think. Um, anyways, Casey DeSmith oh, didn't do bad in his when when Murray was ab uh, absent. Um, DeSmith had, uh, t was 12, 7, and 4 with a save percentage of 9.24 and a GAA of 2.47. Um, and then Matt Murray is 11.5-1 with a GAA of 2.89 and a save percentage of 9.13. Um, however, he has picked it up lately. Um, I believe he has, like, he's won, like, eight of his last nine or something like that. Um, he's won, actually, seven of his last... He's once his. Yeah, he's he's won seven straight starts. Seven the straight Pens starts. are nine two and zero oh in their last eleven games yep. since Murray has returned. Yeah, so uh, so he's been on his game now, um, and then uh, just in terms of the forward stuff, I mean, we all kind of expect the same kind of players, but Crosby le leads the way for the forward for the you know the offense. Um, with 51 points in 39 games. Kessel has 47 points in 42 games. Malkin has 44 points in 42 games. Gensel has kind of come into his own. We talked about him last week, but he has 38 points in 42 games. Uh, Chris Letang has, um, is not injured anymore. Um, he has 37 points in 40 games. Um, a couple of other players to talk about. Uh, Hornquist. Um, 25 points in 33 games. Brian Rust has had his moments. Um, he has 19 points in 41 games. Um, Olimata has 11 points in 41 games. Um, yeah, that, that seems to be about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the Penguins are always that team that, like, even when they're not doing well, you're always scared of them because you know what they're, what they can do and what they're capable of. Yeah. Um, so it's particularly now that Matt Murray is like back on his grind, um, so to speak, and it you know it's still like um, they're still up there, um, and I think they're they're going to be a, a big time contender uh, this year, um, especially if Crosby and Kessel and Malkin all continue to. Um, stay on that pace it's pretty much unfair that all three of them are on the same team um i i don't know i i i'm more annoyed at the that kessel is now on the penguins uh, um instead of the maple leafs although i guess if he was on the maple leafs they probably the maple leafs wouldn't be as good um they wouldn't be able to have drafted marner or matthews um but um yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the Penguins are for real. <laughs> well, when you look at the stats, like top 10 team in the league, top five in goals scored, top 10 on the power play, top five in the penalty kill, top 10 average shots per game, top 10 in block shots, top 10 in takeaways, second most disciplined, most physical, 
Like that's that's a short list of what I could find. And I'm sure there are a lot of other stat categories there, top five or top 10 in as well. Uh, one of the weak points that I found was the amount of shots allowed per game. One of the top NHL teams in that list in that regard, not a terrific honor to have, but uh, they've actually won 15 games when being outshot by the other team. And um, they're actually one of the lowest scoring teams in the third period, but it doesn't matter because they've allowed the fifth fewest goals in the final frame uh, out of 31 teams. So um, that kind of disguises some of their weaknesses in the third. Um, and what's especially good about their power play is that they're getting results with the fourth lowest total power play time in the league. And they're still a top five, top 10 team in the power play. Because like you said, they have offensive weapons galore and it's easy to generate offense out of that. Um, from an individual point of view, of course, Malkin, Kessel, Crosby, and Gensel are leading the charge. Chris Letang's their best defenseman, um, but their depth has really shown. Brian Rust, Dominic, some, uh, Dominic Simon has 17 points. Hornquist has 25 and 33. Broussard's got 13 points. Dumoulin and Alexiak on the back end, 11 each. Uh, Zach, Aston Reese, 11 points, 29 games. Cullen has 10 points in 31 games. Tanner Pearson has had his moments as well. Um, but again, I go back to the return of Matt Murray. That's pretty much how this team has been able to kind of revive their season. As I said, 9-2-0 since December 15th. Murray stopped 226 of 235 shots during that stretch. So that's two shutouts, 962 save percentage, 1.27 goals against average. Pretty spectacular. And uh, during that stretch in four starts that Casey DeSmith has played, He's posted a save percentage of 928. Um, and then offensively, Crosby has 17 points in 11 games. Latang, point of game player. Russ, nine points in 10 games. Matt Cullen, five points in 11 games. Uh, their power play has gone 12 for 32. Six best penalty kill. Um, and they continue to just do their thing, blocking shots, um, maintaining their physical strengths, um, still getting takeaways. They are a cup contender if they continue to be this good. Yeah, um, yeah, they are. Yeah, I think the the big question mark for them is uh, Matt Murray. Um, just most like obviously he's been he's been phenomenal lately, but um, we need. I want to see him like have continued, um, like continued run. Like I want to see how consistent yeah. he can be. Because uh, that's been his that's been his thing for you know like last year uh, was his first year as being a starter and he wasn't as good as we thought he would be albeit he was injured for part of it so um, that may have something that may have had an effect on it but um, like it seems like um, I want to see how much he can like if he can be uh, consistent. Um, and I think, like, it, once the goaltending is there, um, maybe, like, you know, keep it up for another month or so. Um, if he if he's still, like, there at that level, um, yeah, I think the Penguins are for sure one of the best teams in the league and the team that, like, you know, uh, uh, teams should be striving towards. So, uh, yeah, they are for real, um, but they do have that one question mark in terms of that. But, yeah. Uh, and it, it also helps that Smith has been playing well. And when you have the backup goaltender playing as well as he has, 
Um, I think that helps because you're comfortable with putting him in a back-to-back -back situation or getting him the odd start and giving Murray an extra couple of days to rest up because I think the best way Matt Murray can be his dominant self is if he's healthy. If he's battling injuries, he's not 100%. He's not getting the results that he should. And I, I think um, if DeSmith continues to play well, if he continues to get starts and Murray is utilized well enough, um, I think that's the best way Pittsburgh um, can ride Matt Murray and possibly win another cup. Yep. I think... I think I definitely think Matt Murray's minutes need to be managed. Yep. Oh no, for sure. Um, we're gonna go to Edmonton here. Uh, they're twenty nineteen and three. Um, they have forty three points that puts them sixth in the Pacific Division. Um, they. Uh, it was funny because a couple of weeks ago we were gonna talk about Edmonton, um, as they had been winning and kind of had been making a surge. But then they go on and make get a six-game losing streak, um, and and then Chiarelli makes these trades, uh, questionable trades that we talked about last week, um, and now uh, Edmonton's in six in their division. Um, obviously, they have Connor McDavid, um, who's who has sixty-two points in forty-one games. Uh, Leon Drysaddle has 52 points in 42 games. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 38 points in 42 games. Um, and then we get into some like uh, uh, stats that aren't as great. Uh, Ch Alex Chieson uh, is your next guy with 20 points in 33 games. Darnell Nurse has 19 points in 42 games. Uh, Clefbaum has uh, 15 points in 31 games. Um, I think that's all the players that are worth mentioning. Maybe Ty Ratty, he had some acclaim a couple uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, but he had he has seven points in 26 games. Not great. Um, and then um, there's, uh, I mean, we talked about last year, uh, last week, but Milan Lucic only has one goal uh, this year he had one goal last year um, and he has eight points in 32 game in 42 games so it's not like he's um, he's worth the money that he's making on the goaltending side um, it seems like uh, Miko Koskinen um, is kind of the starter now uh, he's 12 eight and one uh, he has a GAA of 2.64 a save percentage of 915 um, which isn't terrible obviously but it isn't great at the same time um and but it's better than what cam talbot has been putting up he has uh cam talbot is 8 11 and 2 with a ga of 3.808 and a uh, save percentage of 899 um i think this is the bigger story is that cam talbot isn't as hasn't been as good Although I will say that lately, Cam Talbot, uh, he did shut out the Ducks on Sunday. Um, and he came in relief for the Kings, uh, against the Kings on Saturday, uh, where he only gave up one goal. So he may have something uh, going for him on that. But at the same time, he, like, he gave up seven goals to the Sharks um, in December. Um, you know, he, uh, he's just been inconsistent, basically. Uh, he gave up, he didn't give up 
he came in relief for the, against the Canucks where he didn't give up a goal. But then, you know, um, he gave up three goals against the Blues. He gave up five goals against the Jets, uh, the two goals against the the um, Wild, although they won that game. So, um, so it's like he's just been a mixed bag, basically, uh, this year. Um, and Miko Koskinen has been pretty decent. Um, I mean, not to say that Koskinen's been perfect either, but... Um, he's been uh, at least better than Talbot's been um, in terms of consistency front. Um, so yeah, that, that's that would be pretty much my bigger concern. Um, one other thing that I would like to note before I pass it on to you is that um, you know last year it seemed like McDavid was the only player that was getting points and contributing, um, but like Drysital and Ryan Nugent Hopkins have kind of like uh filled their own weight um in in this stead and i think that's another issue that's uh worth talking about is that like you know where's their depth um you know they traded a guy like drake kajula um but you know who's their their, their fourth but i'm not even sure who their fourth best player is like is it alex chieson because if it is then that's not good um so um, yeah, I think they need to figure out who, like, their depth needs to pick it up even more. Especially Milan Lucic, because he, um, he hasn't been good um, and all that stuff. Well, the, the thing with Milan Lucic is he's not good, and he's getting paid a crap ton of money. Right. Which is why we call him out, because he yep. shouldn't be playing like crap. He should be one of the best players on the yep. team. Um, and it goes without saying that McDavid and Drysaddle, like last year, like previous years, the offense seems to revolve around them. Um, like McDavid's the top five in league scoring, uh, Drysaddle top 10 um, in the NHL's goal scoring race. Both are in the top 15. Uh, both are in the top 25 for power play points scored. Um but it, it just seems every single point that McTavid and Drysdale get, it matters so much. And it's super scary to think about. Like seven of McDavid's 24 goals are game winners. Right. Um, like we're, we're talking about a guy that has played 20 minutes or more in all but six regular season games this year, over 24 minutes on 10 occasions. Um, six times he's gone pointless. Um, seven times he's got three or more points. And in the early days of Ken Hitchcock taking over for Todd McClellan, he just threw Carter McDavid into the fire and he got like 27 or 20 minutes of ice time one game. So like they still heavily rely on Drysdale and McDavid. And I, I will give credit to Nugent Hopkins. He has 38 points in 42 games. He's been good. Um, I will give credit to Alex Chason, who is... Uh, I believe third on the team, third or fourth on the team in goals. He has 16 on the year. Yeah. The downside is if he's not playing on the McDavid line, how good is he? He's, like, uh, he's a perfect fit. He's a perfect fit on the McDavid, on the McDavid line. So at, at least you found yeah. your guy to put with McDavid and dry saddle. But again, where's the depth outside of that top line? Where's the depth? Like yeah. one of their best players, they just traded to Chicago. Um, like you have Juju Kyra. Uh, Adam Larson, um, Milan Lucic, like we mentioned, Ty Ratty, Tobias Jess, Peter. Jesse Pugliarvi. 
Jesse Pugliarby, Ryan Spooner, who hasn't been properly utilized. Ryan Strom wasn't getting the results when he was there. Zach Cassian, five points in like 39 games on the year. Hellier Yamamoto. So, yeah, uh, well, he hasn't really played all that much this year. Yeah, yeah only 13 games, and yeah. he's injured right and he's, now. Yeah. And he's a young kid. But it it's just seems like the same song and dance. They're, yeah. they're relying on their goaltending even more, and Koskinen... Don't look now, but he's given up four or more goals in four of his last eight outings. And True. in his last four starts, he's been hooked twice. Right. So not only is Cam Talbot not looking good on the season, but Miko Koskinen's stats are taking a hit. I think overall the inconsistencies that are plaguing this team are my biggest concern. Like they go on that big win streak with Ken Hitchcock behind the bench. Then they hit a bump in the road. They drop like six or seven in a row. Uh, on the season, they're 22nd in goals for, near the bottom 10 in goals against. Penalty kills near the bottom 10. Um, they're top 10 team in giveaways, which basically nullifies all the good work they do at trying to take the puck away from the other team. Um, they're at or near the bottom five in faceoff win percentage. Um, I think 12 times in 43 games, Edmonton's had the lead after one, just 13 times after two periods. They've lost by like three or more goals 13 times this year. Uh, it's it's just remarkable how inconsistent this team is. They're more Jekyll and Hyde than the Sens are yeah. a couple of years ago. I, mm-hmm. I just don't know what to expect from them. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, no, that, those are all good points. Um, also, another thing to mention, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi has... Um, he, remember, he was like supposed to be this hot... He, some were saying that he should have been drafted higher than like Patrick yeah, Line. A lot of people were, were yeah. just and they were, giving Columbus like right. and they were what critical. The heck are you doing drafting right. this to block it ahead of Pooley and they right. look like geniuses now. And they're geniuses now. So uh Pooley did have a goal last night, but uh yeah, yeah, he, has, he hasn't pulled his weight in terms of where he hasn't proved that he's of a fourth overall pick, let alone a first round pick. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think he needs to step it up as well. Um, yeah. um, as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the rapid fire. Um, so the all-star game rosters have been announced. Uh, we don't want to go too into it. Um, just cause I feel like the same stuff is always said every year. Um, but, um, at the same time, uh, we are going to just try to say, like, we can go through each team or um, something like that, and we can talk about the snubs and all that stuff. Um, I have five snubs, and four of them are on the same, are in the same division. Um, and one is just more like, what? Um, how is he not involved? Um, I guess, uh, I can, uh, so let's just do the snubs and then who we think is going to win. Um, so I'm going to say, so my, uh, snubs that I have, I have a feeling you have a similar type of list as my five snubs. Uh, so the first one I'm going to say is Braden Point. Um, he's been by far the, I mean, I can, a lot of this is going to be, I can understand why, uh, like uh, Kucherov and um, Stamkos are in, I guess. Um, I guess Stamkos maybe, but Point has been like the most consistent player on the Lightning. Um, 
this year. Uh, he has the most points, uh, most goals for them. He has the second most points for them. So, like, I can understand Kucherov uh, just because he has 69 points right now in 42 games. But, like, Braden Point has 54 points, and Stamkos has 47 points. It seems like, like, you you can just switch Stamkos and Point together. Um, it just seems like Point has been one of the main reasons why the Lightning are where they are at and not Stamkos as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was a swap for Stamkos, then yeah, but yeah. Um, if if it, you're trying to include all three, like yeah. you need to represent the Bruins. I'm not taking Pasternak off of there. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess it's it's more like I think if you I understand this rule of having um, you know the same team, um, so I get that, and um, I would maybe try to get like so I don't know. Um, it'd be tough to I think Stamkos would be the only one, maybe Tavares I guess, but uh, that seems weird too. Um, mm. But uh, the other ones, um, and they're also in the Atlantic division, um, Jeff Skinner, but I can understand why Jack Eichel, um, is, uh, is the Buffalo Sabres, uh, representative there. Uh, but Jeff Skinner at the same time, Jeff Skinner has 28 goals and he's tied for second. So it's amazing to me that the, the high, like the, the second, the, the Jeff Skinner who has the most goals and Sinto Vetchkin's not going to be there. He's going to have the most goals in the league. He's not there. It's it's That seems ludicrous to me. But at the same time, Eichel has definitely earned his position there. So it's it's tough to say yeah. uh, he's not there. Um, and then uh, the other one is Mitch Marner. Um, he's been, uh, you know, he's sixth in the league in points. Um, in fact, uh, only... In terms of the Atlantic Division, only uh, Kucherov has more points than him, um, and uh, it just seems like you know, like I know Tavares has had, he's he has third, he's third in goals, and Matthews is uh, the captain, um, but it just seems like Mitch Marner should should be in there, uh, just because he's been the best player. But I think that has a lot to do with you're right, like the fact that like. Ottawa, Florida, and Detroit all have to have a team, uh, have to have a representative. Um, speaking of which, um, Morgan Riley um, kind of uh, gets snubbed out of just because of that representative. Because Keith Gandel's been good, and so has uh, Thomas Shabbat. Obviously, uh, we both love Thomas Shabbat here, um, and Keith Gandel's kind of like a underrated player. But Morgan Riley's like gonna be a Norris Trophy candidate if not the winner um so um I'm gonna that that seems like the craziest part to me I I do think that he has a chance to be voted in and same for Jeff Skinner um from the vote fan vote so there is still a chance that Mar uh that Riley and uh Marner are gonna be in but I mean uh, Riley and uh, Skinner are going to be in, but, uh, like Morgan Riley has been one of the best defensemen in the league. Um, so I I don't understand that. And then that brings me, it's one of those things where I can understand it though, because like you need someone to represent Florida. I think 
they could have gone with someone else besides Keith Yandel. The problem is, it's probably going to be a four like Barkov or Huberto. The problem is, are you going to take any of those other forwards off the list? Uh, right. No. Well, so I don't know. I would. They, put... have to, they have to put a Florida representative somewhere, and yeah. I guess they chose defense. So, unfortunately True. for Morgan Riley, you know, they have to have an Ottawa senator. And again, uh, probably not putting any of the sense forwards as much. I love Stone and Duchesne. Yeah. They're and not Shabbat, gonna, they're they're not going to overtake one of the forwards on that list. So yeah. Shabbat has to represent them. So unfortunately, Morgan Riley gets the short end of the stick there. No pun intended. And, and Shabbat deserves to be in there. And, and oh yeah. And Yandel has a right there as well, I guess. But it's I just, would put Riley ahead of Yandel though. Yeah, I yeah I would too. Although Yandel's had a pretty good year too, in thirty five points in forty games. Um, yeah. So he and he deserve, he's pretty underrated in that regard because you know he, no one really talks about him a lot. So yeah, um, so I can we understand don't really that. Talk but, about him much, really, to be honest. Yeah. Wait, what, what did you say? We didn't. We don't really talk much about Keith Yandel to begin with. So. That's true. That's true. You're not wrong. Um. So so he does deserve some recognition in that regard. But um, yeah, I don't know. Morgan Riley should be in there instead. Um, and then the last player, and then I'll get to your snubs. Um, I assume they're going to be the same as you, um, but Mark Giordano um, in the yeah. Pacific. And this is another one where I'm like, okay, I can understand why. Um, I can understand why. Uh, uh, where am I? Uh, Johnny Goudreau is the Calgary Flames representative, and the games in San Jose. So I can understand why you have Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns, and Eric Carlson in there. But at the same time, it's like uh, Eric Carlson just started getting going, you know. And Mar- Mark Giordano has been pretty consistent. He's, he's like, almost a point-per-game yeah, guy. He's almost a point-per-game guy. Uh, so as much as I love Eric Carlson, um, and Eric Carlson's with Keith Yandel in terms of points. They both have 35 points. Um, but Mark Giordano has been incredible this year. Um, so he deserves to go, uh, more than Eric Carlson does, um, or Drew Doughty even, but. Well, yeah, but and, someone has to represent the exactly. Kings. Someone has to represent the Kings. It's not going to be their goalie. Yeah. So it has to be Drew Doughty. It's and just, again, I would put right. Giordano ahead of Drew Doughty. And, and it's also one of those other things because like. The Sharks are, you know, have three guys, and I guess since it's going to be in San Jose, so you can't even say, like, well, Eric Carlson, ha- like, the Sharks have to be represented. It's like, well, you already have that with Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns, so it's well, like I you can't even say the that. Sens, when they hosted the All-Star game, I think yeah. they had, like, three or four players going to the All-Star game. Right, right. So it, it, that's more of the, like, crazier thing to me. I feel like those... So those were my five snubs. I think we have a couple of uh, snubs that you agree with. Uh, do you have any more snubs that I didn't say? Uh, I do. Um, but taking a look at the Pacific Division, it's so unlike the other teams because they're going with the five-three-two instead of the six-two-two. Right. Yep. They're going with five-fours, three defense, and two goalies. So of course Burns and Carlson are the two defensemen. Yep. Dowdy's the third. So that of course means. Sean Monahan is not going to the All-Star game. Oh, that means Matt Kachuk, who's also had a good year, is not going to the All-Star game. I so think... they're getting step-armed by the three defensemen rule. True. Of course, we talked about Giordano. Although I will say, I think Matthew Kachuk can be voted in. Yeah. But, so there's still um, a chance for him. 
but like I said, like it, like there are a lot of other players on that Calgary Flames team that should deserve that deserve All Star consideration, yep. but aren't going to get it because you know uh, of the five three two format and the fact that uh, you know he can only invite so many people. Um, but you have to represent the Coyotes. I think Clayton Keller's uh, the, the best guy for that. Um, uh, Flurry and Gibson, like, they're slam dunk choices. I don't have any problem with that. Pedersen's earned a spot for Vancouver. It's not like he he's just there to represent the team. Like, he's been an elite talent, and he, he deserves this spot. Um, I think one of the interesting snubs for me is in the central division because and it's not with the forwards either like oh i thought you were gonna like, say patrick line <laughs> well yeah well patrick line again well like shifley and wheeler again a lot yeah, of talent can only put in so many people true, shifley true. and wheeler they got that right no, like that ben sense. and sagan aren't going neither is line um parise's had a good year granlin's had a good year with yeah. minnesota and they're and they're not um, the only case on the initial list either. The only case I'll make for Line A is that like if you want to grow the game, Line A is by far the most electric personality yeah. wise. So he should get a chance to go just so you can showcase him um, in the All Star game. But I to- like I totally understand because he's been hot and cold this year. <laughs> I am glad that they finally got John Carlson in. He did not get in last year, uh, if I remember correctly, and I was pretty pissed off at that. Yep, that was. Um, but uh, they remedied point. that by putting him in this year. Uh, one one move that, a couple of moves in the central that uh, that uh, that are really curious to me. So I get that you need a Dallas star on the ice. You can't snub Roman Yossi. So you choose a star's defenseman instead of Ryan Suter. Unfortunate for. Ryan Suter because he's had a good year with Minnesota. But they're going with Miro Heiskinen instead of John Klingberg. Oh, yeah. that's. A... And I get that Miro Heiskinen really stepped up when Klingberg was out. But John Klingberg has a higher point-per-game average. I personally would have gone with him. So that's, that's the main snub that I have. Um, as a result, you have to put somebody for Minnesota in goal because you have no one on forwards or defense. And you can't snub Pecorine, so Devin Dubnik represents Minnesota. I might make the case for either Ben Bishop or Connor Hellebuck instead of Devin Dubnik, honestly. But um, that that's my main snub is probably Heiskanen over Klingberg. Yeah, I had a feeling you might be going with Heiskanen. Because when I saw Heiskanen, I was like, oh, that's odd. But like he he hasn't been like terrible. I mean, no, I, he hasn't. Yeah. He, he has. He's, I feel... he's hovering close to 20 points for a rookie. That's great. But, yeah. like, John Klingberg, if he was healthy, he yeah. would probably be the slam dunk choice over Heiskanen. True. Yeah, I feel like that had more to do with the fact that Klingberg was kind of injured, has been injured for, like, a long time. So it's it's kind of tough to say um, that he's, you know, it's, it's well, tough, you know. Matthews missed time due to injury, and he's the captain of the Atlantic True. Division. So. Although th- that they didn't have a choice with. I feel like if well, Matthews yeah. wasn't the captain, they wouldn't have mentioned it. But um, at the same time, yeah. Austin Matthews is a very skilled player, True. like John Klingberg is. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. No, that's true. But, I mean, I think Miro Heiskanen has deserved it. I may have given it to Klingberg, too, but... Um, I I think I think what hurt Klingberg more was just his injury, um, yeah. than anything. Um, 
And then the other thing that we have to talk about um, is Ov Ovechkin. He was uh, the captain of the uh, Metropolitan team, but then he uh, he said that I think it was like a day before the rosters were announced that he said that he is no he he's not gonna partake in the All Star game, mm-hmm. um, which is you know it's one of those things like I can I can. Uh, respect that i mean like the all-star games more for the fans anyways he's he's done this a million times already so um you know he's also probably really tired especially when this is going to be a three-on-three type situation so what's also interesting to note is that this interferes with the capitals bye week oh which is even more incentive and of course Alex Ovechkin gets his wish because he has to serve a one-game suspension following the All-Star right. game. So basically, they're just giving him another couple of days to rest, which is exactly what he wants. Yeah, no, it's true. But, I mean, like, this is one of those things where it's like, this is the first time where he's played through June. Um, you know, so he's probably... I, I, I'll, I'll give him a pass there. Um, if it's it, one, It just feels you know, odd because, like, in the past, it was Crosby that was doing this, and everyone's right, giving right. a hard time. Like, why aren't you going to the All-Star game? You're disrespecting the no, fans no, that no. brought you in, and Ovechkin's going to the All-Star game. You know, yeah. you should be in there, too, and it's a complete role of reversal now. No, I know. I hear you, but I, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I was okay with Crosby missing the All-Star game. I'm okay with any of these guys missing the All-Star game. Yeah. Just because I feel like the... It's such a grind too, and we do this like every year, where like we're saying all these snubs. So it's like there's plenty of players who deserve to go. So it's like if if any of these players don't want to do this, then yeah, feel free, and we're gonna have we're gonna sub you in to someone who's um, who may even be more qualified. So, um, it, so I'm okay it, with it. It's just unfortunate because Alex Ovechkin is such a character. Right. And I remember in previous All-Star events where yeah. he was the life of the party, and he was just one time praying that he was going to be picked last, and he yeah. wasn't. Yeah. So it it would have it would have just been uh, it would have just been really fun to just like put the camera and, and mic in front of him and see what he would have done like yeah. as the captain of the team. Not just the fact that he was there at the All-Star game, but he was actually captaining a team. Yep. Uh, so now we go to injuries here. Um, the big one this week, uh, future all, all, all-star uh, player um, is Elias Pedersen, or Peterson. Um, I'm going to always mix that Still up. Still trying to get it right, both of us. Well, you wrote Peterson in your in your show notes, um, so oh, I, had to, I had to correct you. Um, <laughs> um, but it, no, it's Pedersen. Uh, he has a slight sprain in his MCL. Um, apparently, it was uh, it was he had this uh, through Jesperi uh, Kotkinemi. That's yeah. another name it, that yeah, I can't they, pronounce. Yeah, they got tangled up very awkwardly. Um, a lot of Canucks fans thought it was intentional because right. Kotkaniemi said earlier in the year that he doesn't like Swedes and just like, oh, it's right. intentional. But you then, know, uh, but Sweden. but then it, it came out that Pedersen and Kotkaniemi. Uh, exchanged like you know Kotkinemi apologized almost right away um mm-hmm. it was not intentional um and all that stuff so yeah um yeah so anyways uh Pedersen has a, a slight sprain in his MCL uh according to Travis Green who's the coach um it's not too bad we'll have our doctors reevaluate him when he gets home it was probably as good of a news as we could have received uh, Pedersen may be available to play within two weeks, but that is uncertain. 
Um, so, uh, so that's the timetable. I guess this means that he's probably not going to be playing in the in the All Star game. Yeah, um, and that's and that's important to note because um, yeah. Jack Eichel, guys like Jack Eichel are hurt, and True. Pedersen's now hurt, and Shabbat is hurt. So if they can't play, then they're yeah. probably going to be injury replacements. Right, Eichel. We I don't think we even mentioned Eichel's injury. I, I didn't um, want to mention it because it was day to day. I was just thinking, should yeah. I put this on if he's probably going to be playing? You know, the day True. after we put this out. So. Yeah, I, but that's he, why I was kind of hesitant. But yeah, he, he did, was bad. He did miss this week, week though. Day to day. I mean, I, I just think it's worth the mention just because he missed this oh, week. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Jack Eichel's day to day people. You heard your first. Yeah, exactly. Um, he'll probably play the next game. But, <laughs> he'll probably play so. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall is injured. He has a lower body. Um, it seems like he's re-injured. That yeah, he, he got injured, then he came back, and now he's hurt again. He's yep. on the IR. He's not day-to-day. Um, and he's got 37 points in 33 games, has not played in the last five, um, and not projected to match his 93-point total from last year, even if he's healthy. So, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, we mentioned that uh, this year hasn't gone as well for the Devils. and uh, That's a part of the reason why. Part of the reason why, yeah. Um, Mark, oh, Mark, uh, Nick Schmoltz, not Mark Schmoltz. Um, <laughs> there's no Mark Schmoltz. I don't know why I there's put Nick that in there. Jordan and Jordan, I, know, I think, I was like placed on waivers or something. I don't know why I put Mark Schmoltz there. Um, anyways, Nick Schmoltz, uh, he's out. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because he's been he low key has had a pretty good uh season for the ever since that trade. Um, he's considered week to week. He has a lower body injury, but, um, he had, uh, I believe he's had, uh, um, well, he has 18. Roto Roto World uh, said he had five goals and 14 points in 17 games since the trade out of Chicago. So, and, um, like, 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 uh, like, uh, you're about to mention a good chemistry with his new team and so bad time for the injury to happen. Yeah. It's, uh, oh yeah. I was I was on that Roto World page and then uh, you you beat me to it. Um, yeah, yeah, well, so, that's where I get my information from. So well, that's that's, that's what I look at whenever I I'm I'm uh, for injury stuff. Um, um, just a just a couple of notes before we move on. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers expected to be out of the Jets oh, right. lineup from now until early to mid February. He's got an upper body injury. Uh, he got hurt in the Penguins game on Friday and did not return. Yeah. Um, and Garrett Sparks uh, has a concussion for the Leafs. Uh, so now uh, Michael Hutchinson is basically their guy until Frederick Anderson returns from injuries. So. Yep. And then also, this only affects me because it's, well, I mean, he's been pretty good this year, but um, but since I have him in a couple of leagues, I know that uh, this guy's injured, but Kevin Hayes, um, he's day-to-day, he has an upper body injury. Um, okay. Also, Sam Reinhardt is injured too, but he's day-to-day as well, so um, we'll see. Um, okay, um, some more things to get to. Uh, Outdoor games, uh, some stuff, uh, some announcements here. Uh, the Heritage Classic is going to be in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, I think I pronounced that right. Um, yep. <laughs> it's going to be the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Um, I don't know my Canadian geography that well. I guess Winnipeg is close to Saskatchewan. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's closer to Saskatchewan than well. 
Let's see. I think Manitoba is closer to Ontario. So yeah, it's it's probably on the more neutral side of things there. Okay. Oh, so it's. Um, and it's and it's a very good hockey market. The Regina Pats. They okay. they have a WHL team there. They pack the building. And um, if if you don't know much about the CFL, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have probably some of the most diehard fans in the league. They will brace the cold to go to a football game. You bet your butts they'll brace their cold. Uh, they'll brace the cold hard elements to go watch a hockey game yeah. in late October. And, so and I, should, I think I think we're going to expect a, a packed crowd and a very good hockey atmosphere. And it should be a good matchup because it's like you know Patrick Laine versus Johnny Gaudreau and like Kachuk versus Ellers and or you know Shifley Wheeler, and then the Flames. You can do the same thing with Monahan Gaudreau, uh, yeah. Kachuk. Hannafin now, so it's like, uh, yeah, it, it should be a good game there. I believe it's going to be in October, though, uh, next year. Which is, you know, again, it's Canada, so it's probably yeah. cold enough there. To have, yep. Uh, to have um, so the 2020 Winter Classic was also announced. I mean, it's, it was one of those, like, I told you so, because I even predicted that it was going to yeah. be in Dallas. Literally the day yeah. we the were day of. the podcast, we mentioned Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I didn't. I thought it was going to be in the uh, the Jerry World or AT and T yeah. uh, Stadium, but it's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. Um, uh, the the opponent for the Stars is to be determined. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be like a team. Um, it would be pretty cool if it was Edmonton, but I have a feeling they're going to try to get a, an American team. So maybe it'll be like. Minnesota, St. Louis. Yeah, um, well, and, and Minnesota's in their division too, right? Yeah. So it would make sense. Yeah, well, no, but I was just thinking of, like, teams that, like, have a big fan base and kind of have a rivalry with Dallas. Um, so Edmonton would be something. Maybe Winnipeg, although Winnipeg um, is already in the Heritage Classic, so it's not going to be there. Yeah, but um, I, what we Vegas would be that, pretty cool, too. What we do know is that um, the Winter Classic opponents this year, Boston and Chicago, yeah. they won't be involved in any outdoor games in 2020. Right, so right. that much we do know. Yep. Um, I, I, a part of me thinks that maybe they're waiting for Minnesota to host an outdoor game, so maybe that's why they wouldn't put Minnesota uh, in one of those. But Yeah, that's possible. It's just like the Dallas-Minnesota thing could be a thing, but... Um, I know that like right away, Minnesota fans were furious because they wanted a stadium series before they wanted a winter classic. Um, and then they're like, but you give it to Dallas and it's, it's just another yeah, one. Yeah. Of the well, yeah. No, they actually gave it. They did give it to Minnesota. They gave it to the old Minnesota oh, right, team right, that's the other now Minnesota. in Dallas. So, so they're, they're feeling rejected again by the NHL. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's yeah, a double whammy. It's just like, oh, you didn't yeah. give it to us. You gave it to our old team that which, no longer plays. Which is why it would be fitting if it was Minnesota. Um, maybe, I don't know. I'm trying, just trying to think of other teams that it could be. Uh, it would be funny if it was like Vegas, just just to have yeah. like. Yeah, Vegas would be Vegas would be an interesting yeah. experiment. Uh, it'd be interesting if they hosted an outdoor game. Right. And, and McPhee, I, I listened to George McPhee. He was uh, interviewed in one of the World Junior broadcasts that um, – the station I work at, we aired uh, the world a few World Junior games, and he was interviewed. and He he thinks that Vegas could host an outdoor game. He said yeah. it'd be cold enough and like, unlike New Year's uh, Day to like host an outdoor game. Yeah. So well, no, I wasn't talking about. I wasn't talking about hosting. I was thinking of the the Stars opponent, but yeah. Well, yeah, true. 
Yeah, I, I, I could, I could see that. But too. actually, it would fit more for this next uh, announcement I'm going to make. The uh, the Stadium Series, uh, they're also going to have uh, Colorado's going to host a game um, in the Air Force Academy. I think it's in Colorado. Um, I think that would be pretty cool if they had Vegas as the opponent against the Avalanche. Um, I don't think it would be Minnesota because I'm pretty sure they played in an outdoor game already and yep. Minnesota was a part of it. Yeah, possible. Um, that sounds right, I guess. Or no, or or wait, no, it was. I think Colorado played Detroit in an outdoor game. Never mind, disregard. Um, I thought Minnesota played in an outdoor game. Maybe it was St. Louis they played. In I don't know if game. Minnesota's played in an outdoor game, even if they were like the visiting team. I don't think they've played. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no Colorado. But Colorado gets an outdoor game. Um, although it's in the Air Force Academy, um, I think it'll be one of those things that they'll they'll take it. Um, it'd be kind of cool if they played in Mile High Stadium, but or Coors Field, but uh, yeah, no, no, they cool. played at Coors Field already. Oh, they have already played in Coors Field. I'm pretty sure it's against Detroit because I remember that Colorado and uh, Detroit had a, had a an alumni game. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, years back. So I think I think it was probably Detroit they played in that game. Uh, that's right. Um, so maybe they could play Minnesota. We'll see. They could play Minnesota. They, I, I would. I'm just thinking of opponents that they could play. Uh, St. Louis, I guess, is another one. Pretty much anyone I said for the Dallas Winter Classic like, could be played here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Detroit as well for Dallas too. Yeah, I don't um, think St. Louis because they played in a couple of outdoor games recently. Still. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was just thinking in terms of like. Like classic rivalries, I don't know. Like Colorado, yeah, I, I feel I feel like either a rivalry that has a stuff. lot of talent or a division rivalry is probably what the NHL yeah. is going for. I don't think it's going to be like an Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Right, exactly. Conference, so that's why Detroit probably isn't, but um, maybe yeah. it could be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, because like Detroit isn't really a rival to the the Avalanche or the the yeah. Stars anymore. Um, World Juniors, uh, Finland wins gold. Unfortunately, uh, they beat U.S., although they, the Finland did kind of deserve to win that. They played really well. Um, Capo Kako got the game-winning goal, um, and now all the memes are saying that Capo Kako is going to be the first overall pick now. Mm-hmm. Um, although Jack Definitely Hughes... Else's draft stock. I don't know yeah. if it will make him number one. No, I know, I know. Helps. Um, it does help, but I don't think it... Uh, Jack Hughes played pretty well, too, though. I think he had an assist in that game. Um, he he had a couple of other assists. He didn't score at all, but um, that's something. Um, he didn't get embarrassed or anything, or his stock didn't drop either. Um, and then Russia gets the bronze. Um, but I think you... Uh, so, like, as the U.S., I'm kind of sad that us didn't win but at the same time it's one of those things where i don't really care um you know i i if this was the olympics i would care i'd be frustrated but i'm like now i'm just like whatever um finland deserved it they they played well um i'm happy for our euro vakaninen a bruins pro a prospect i think he played like 30 minutes on ice or something like that um, so, um, so that, that's good. He's going to be like our future Zidane Ochara, who's just going to eat up minutes. 
on ice um, and occasionally uh, put up points. So um, I look forward to that if, if he can uh, translate uh, what he did in the World Juniors to uh, what he did, what he's doing in what he's going to be doing in Providence and hopefully in Boston. So um, I look forward to that. Um, yeah, uh, but you're probably going to want to talk about Canada losing in the quarterfinals because that was the big game. <laughs> well, before I talk about uh, how Team Canada didn't even medal, um, shout out to Switzerland for beating Sweden and uh, earning themselves a top four yep. finish. And shout out to Kazakhstan for not being relegated. They'll be back. I love Kazakhstan in this tournament. Uh, the fans really rallied around them. It'll be nice to see them back. Yep. Um, it's it's a good step for their program, honestly. Like I I know there's they still got a ways to go before like they can really make some noise in this tournament. But like just not being relegated and just sticking around for um, a second straight year, that's a that's a step in the right direction. That's yeah. progress, and and you gotta start somewhere if you're if you're in the position like Kazakhstan is right now. Sure. Um, I, I feel really bad for Sweden, though, because like they've won 48 straight round-robin games and only one goal to show for it, and they get bounced in the quarters and didn't even score a goal against Switzerland. So right. um, I think it hurts more to be Sweden because of that stat alone. Um, but it, it definitely does hurt to, to see Canada not win. Um, the sad part is they almost beat Finland. Yep. Um, and it's just the luckiest just the yeah, it hit, bounce. It hit Hepo Niemi's, like, foot. Yeah. Well, it just it went off the side of the net, and then uh, it went off the side of the net, then off Hepo Niemi, then off Di Pietro and in. Like, yep. just the flukiest play you could ever draw up. And then Noah Dobson stick breaks in overtime. Finns go the other way. Boom, game over. Canada's out. So, like... Finland, Finland got their breaks when it mattered most. Uh, Di Pietro played outstanding in the Russia game. He played outstanding in the Finnish game. Um, uh, he was everything as advertised. And that's what makes this loss so hard because, well, maybe not, well, yeah, hard. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard when Canada loses. But yeah. um, it's odd because in previous tournaments where they lost, it was like, oh, we had all the offense in the world. The goaltending wasn't there. We couldn't get the big save. We got several big saves from Di Pietro, and we got absolutely no offense. Like, two goals in the final two games they played combined. They only give up four. They only score two. Like, it it doesn't matter how good Di Pietro is. Like, you can't win hockey games when you score two goals in two games. It's just... True. It's just not gonna happen, and uh, I I said before the tournament that I predicted the U.S. and Finland to be in the top three. I wasn't sh I didn't pick Canada to win gold because I wasn't sure if their depth was gonna be good enough. If they had the enough experience to compensate from losing Batherson, from losing Formanton, from losing Carter Hart, um, and and that's why I didn't think Canada was gonna win. I obviously didn't think that uh, they would be outside the medal round and not even finish in the top four. But, um, you know, that's that's the way stuff goes sometimes. And yep. it's going to be tough for Canada because now they got U.S., Russia, Czechs, and Germany to deal with next year. So I think that's about as close to a group of death as you can get in those tournaments. So uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them next year. They still have Alexis Lafreniere. Um, you know, he's probably going to learn a lot um in the next 12 months probably going to come in with a lot more confidence 
Uh, I don't know what Canada's goaltending is going to be like because DiPietro is probably going to be too old and he won't be able uh, to return to this tournament next year. Um, I don't know what their goaltending situation is going to be like next year, what the rest of the team looks like ahead of Lafreniere. So um, I, I think that's probably what hurts the most is because we, we had good goaltending. Um, it's just the offense didn't show up. Um, and I, And I get that it's tough for all you Canadian listeners I get that it's tough when your team loses like I've watched Canada win it lots of times I've seen lots of heartbreaks um the highs and lows are endless at this tournament but I think we saw a new low when a barrage of fans just absolutely cyber bullied Maxime Comtois after a tough loss to Finland in the quarters um and if you didn't watch any of a single second of the game, he missed a penalty shot in overtime. Yep. So, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, Brett. You can interject to like. Well, I'm just saying we're second. kind of what, 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 what we're pushing it on time. Did you see the penalty shot? I did see the penalty shot. Is kind of un- unfortunate, but I, I do want to I do want to say before you get started on your rant. Um, yeah. First off, we're an hour thirty in, so <laughs> don't go too long. Secondly, yeah, okay. um, secondly. Um, I like I did see like uh I think it was like against the Russia game uh, Russia game yeah, where against the Russians yeah Com- where, Comtois where he, was uh, like diving all over the place penalties, right? yeah he was diving he was flopping everywhere so it, yeah. it was one of those things where I felt like it was just karma um obviously mm-hmm. you shouldn't cyber bully a person like you never you should never do that but um it seemed like kind of like a karma type thing where it's like oh mm-hmm. well. That that that's what happens when you start diving all over the place, um, yeah. but yeah. So, anyways, go on your rant. Yeah, well, that that's like, like we, like I I get that you know karma is a strong possibility, but let's not lose sight of the fact that penalty shots are a fifty fifty scenario. You either score or you don't. So my my curious mind goes, what if Connor McDavid took that penalty shot? What if he misses that? Does he get a pass because, you know, he's bound to miss a few, you know, best player in the world, you know, he can't score them all, right? Or or would the fans rib him the same way? Like, I don't get me wrong. I'm angry that Maxime Comtois missed that penalty shot because that decides, that decides the game if he scores. It's, it's the frustration of the game. But you can't let frustration go too far into your head or you get this level of social media hate that in my opinion nobody should have to be exposed to especially a teenager giving up his holidays to play for his country this guy put a lot of hours to captaining this team let alone making this team he played through we found out a couple days later a separated shoulder throughout this tournament I get that his best wasn't good enough. This team wasn't good enough. But I think that Team Canada certainly did better than any of the other online trash talkers that think they could do a better job with the entire country watching them. These fans are willing to boo Kim Clauston for tossing his helmet on the ice post game, giving his watch to someone on the Russian bench, and giving a word of profanity to the fans in Vancouver as he skates away. But if you happen to be one of the people that personally attacked Comtois, shame on you. Because that, in my opinion, is a hypocritical thing to do, to call out Maxime Comtois and cyber bully him. But then on the other hand, 
boo the other player of the Russian team when they lose a hard-fought game to the Americans and toss their helmet in frustration. All Maxime Comtois did was a penalty shot to generate this kind of hate. And I, I get that losing sucks, but I think society really needs to to learn how to take losses better because in in the in the final few days of that tournament we saw a lot of negativity and we did see some positivity but that that kind of stuff just turns me off to this tournament and it and it just it's just not right maxine comtois should not have to defend himself online um it's it's simply unacceptable yeah. Anyways, that's that's my rant. Bruin sends you yeah. go first. Uh, I also want to say I found out here. I was just looking at the Bruins prospects and how did they do? Uh, Jack Sonica had four points in five games for Team Canada. Oh yes. Um, and Uro Vakanainen had four assists in seven games. So that that's pretty good too. Um, I haven't looked at anyone else on, on I think Pavel Shen also of, of Russia. Oh yeah, that's right. He got the game winner against Canada. Yeah, he was um he was he, he had a pretty good tournament. I hadn't heard of him and he needs a Bruins prospect, so yeah. there's that. So I wanted to shout out those three. Uh Jacob Blackow as well of of the Czech Republic. He had uh he had uh, moments every now and then, um again in the Czech Republic. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Bruins Sands. I'm going first. Uh, Winter Classic. Um, we're gonna start off with um, this was this was kind of odd because uh, Colin Delia didn't start, which I thought was a little bit strange. Although I guess yeah. you could have said the same for the Bruins and like, why aren't you starting Halak? Um, because Halak's been better than uh, Rask has been, uh, especially recently. But um, it turned out it didn't matter. This was actually I think we me and you were talking about this or emailing each other is that like this was one of the better played winter classics like the ice was great um i think it was the best winter classic start to finish yeah. i've ever seen like there yeah. were chances in the first period right away like it didn't yeah. take any any it felt second like, uh, for the players to like get adjusted to the right. ice surface like it was perfect yeah it, especially since like you know i mean maybe it had something to do with the fact that these two teams have played in the winter classic um a couple times now so it's like they're kind of used to it but um yeah no i agree it was uh, like it, it felt like an actual hockey game it just happened to be outside um yeah so brendan perlini scored uh quickly in the first as steve alluded to um and then pasternak scored a little bit later um in the first um he had a big day this uh in the in the winter classic um uh, Patrice Bergeron had a, had an assist there, um, and then in the second period, uh, Dominic Cahoon scored uh, from Jonathan Taze and Eric Gustafsson, and Patrice Bergeron gets a power play goal. It was a nice one too because Bergeron, like just like a minute beforehand, he had just back checked, um, like a, as he does, and then um, to like a, he back checked like a breakaway. I think it was Dominic Cahoon as well, um, who had a breakaway chance, and then uh, yeah, and, uh, and then Ber Ber Bergeron, then Bergeron stole comes back and yeah, and then uh, and then he starts the play that eventually he scores. Yeah. Um, so, 
So that was just like a perfect example of of how great Patrice Bergeron is. Um, and that could have been a momentum changer too, was. because yeah. late in the second, shorthanded chance, the Bruins find themselves down three one. If Cahoon and, scores that goal, yeah, and all of a sudden it's a power play goal two two game. No, oh, I know. Um, it was it was great. Um, and then uh, Sean Corrali, uh, he he gets his second game winning goal. Um, it was a nice play too. It was like off of a deflection. It was very similar to the um, the goal that he had against the Sabers um, in, in you know in their last home game. Um, and then uh, Brad Marchand, because of course uh, he gets the empty netter. Uh, and of course, I guess I spoiled it that uh, Brad Marchand got to play. Uh, he wasn't injured, um, and yeah, he got to play. Um, yeah, having said that, I, I felt like it was this was one of those things. Despite the score of the game, it felt like both teams played really well. Um, I like there were definitely moments where it's like I, I can't believe Chicago might win this game, kind of thing. Because uh, I know that they haven't been playing as well, but I was impressed with Chicago and um, and how they were playing because they they don't they're not playing like um, a lowly bottom dwelling team just yet. So it, it's um, but um, yeah, at the same time they've uh, you know the Bruins got two points um, in that game, so that was a much needed um, needed win from them. I think it also um, helped that uh, Patrick Kane didn't get any points. Yep. Although uh, Taves got got on the scoreboard, yeah, he, but yeah. Yeah, Taves got on the board. Kane did not. Yep. Um, then we have uh, we played some tough competition here. Um, in uh, it was against Calgary, uh, but this was one of the games that David Riddick was injured for, so we got Mike Smith instead of David Riddick, which I'm I'm happy about, perfectly happy about. Um, yeah, uh, Michael Furleek scores first. It always feels like Michael Furleek scores against the Bruins and never against any other teams. Like this is like just the like he always scores against the Bruins for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, John Moore then gets a goal and Jake DeBrust uh, pulls in ahead. Um, then, um, and then in the second, Elias Lindholm scores uh, from Noah Hannafin and Johnny Goudreau. Noah Hannafin has low-key had a really good season uh, so far. Um, he's kind of, I mean, better than Dougie Hamilton has, um, at least. Um, although I guess Dougie Hamilton's starting to pick it up too. Um, Brad Marchand. Uh, then uh, uh, get, makes a 3-2 um, from assist from Tori Krug and Patrice Bergeron and then this is where it gets kind of crazy because then Pasternak scores it was a pretty nice goal it was like a um, it was just another deflection rebound kind of thing uh, it was a mm -hmm. power play goal um, and then Johnny Goudreau scores and I'm like oh of course this is what the flames do they always come back it's like we're letting them go in and then jake debrus scores so now it's 5-3 and then uh, michael Backlund scores to make it 5-4 um and i thought like any second now like the flames are going to score again and uh they didn't do that because uh but brad marchand gets the, his second empty net in a row um yeah, uh, this was one of those. It was one of those like exciting games uh, where uh, you know where you just 
get rid of the goalie stats and you know you just enjoy the ride kind of thing but yeah. um yeah it was uh it was a good win again especially against a good team like calgary because you know um they're in the western conference so we don't play them often obviously but um it was it was good to see that um we're like this like this is how we stack up to one of the better teams in the western conference yeah, and, one, and once again, the depth was there. Yeah, the exactly. Um, and this game uh, was against, uh, and then it, we have the Sabres game. Um, I didn't see a ton of this game because I was out watching Northeastern play Merrimack, but I did see the highlights. Um, Chris Wagner gets a goal. The funny thing about this Chris Wagner goal is he scored like a minute beforehand, but they called it off due to oh. goalie interference. Um, and then, and then Chris Wagner's just like, all right, I guess I'll just score again. So, uh, Wagner gets the, the goal, then this time it counts. Um, so that was funny. Um, then David Backus gets another goal, um, in the second period. Um, it was, it was like a breakaway, um, too. So, uh, that was, uh, it was good to see. Backus is kind of coming to his own now. Um, I don't know why, but, um, I kind of like that. Um, apparently, I've been reading that that line of uh, Bacchus. I think it's Bacchus, Krejci, and um, I want to say DeBrusque um, have have been pretty good together. Um, I read, um, and then in the third period, Rasmus Ristolainen scores. Um, yeah, um, and that was all all she wrote. Uh, some notable things here: Tuka Rask stopped. Uh, I had a 31 saves, but he had a couple of them that were, um, like, you know, a lot of them were pretty nice. Cause like, I, I was looking here that like Jeff Skinner had like six shots on goal, um, yeah. and, um, on all that stuff. So the, the Buffalo wasn't, it wasn't like Buffalo wasn't trying or anything, but, um, yeah. And, and nice. uh, it helped that, uh, for Boston, Jack Eichel wasn't playing. True. Um, yeah, that, that's good. That's true too. Although, Skinner and Reinhardt are pretty good too, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Eichel's I, Eichel's uh, had a history of burning his uh, his uh, Boston fans. Oh yeah, no, oh yeah, for sure. Um, that, that is a good point. I thought you meant like in terms of, like you know, like not having Eichel in Buffalo hurts them. Obviously, I, I was just saying that it's not like they're a terrible team without him. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, but just based on what he's yeah. done to Boston, because I remember in previous Bruins Send segments, yeah. uh, Jack Eichel had a good game again. Right. Fortunately, it was against Brett's team. Right, right, right. Um, also of note, uh, five, uh, Ryan Donato had five shots on goal, even though uh, he had 12 minutes on ice. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of cool to see, even still. Uh, Back has had five shots. Chris Wagner had six shots. Um, so it's, um, you know, a lot of the, the depth are kind of coming into their own, um, even if sometimes they don't get on the scoreboard. So, so that was nice to see. Um, speaking of depth, um, Joe Kim Nordstrom is injured. Um, it appears he's day to day, but, um, yeah, he's out. He's, he's been a decent, I thought he would be worse. So, um, I, I'm, I thought he would be uh, worse than what we've seen so far out of him, but I'm glad. Um, so this might hurt us in terms of depth, but depth. But um, yeah, uh, 
he's out. Um, and yeah. McAvoy began skating. Uh, he's not ready to play just yet, though. Well, at least he's skating. Yep. So. It's true. Uh, who do your Bruins uh, play this week? Oh, right. Um, that's a good call. Uh, that's a good question here. Um, I feel like I always forget to do that. Um, <laughs> they play the... Uh, I almost said the Twins. They play the <laughs> Wild on Tuesday. Um, they play, And then they play the Capitals on Thursday and the uh, Maple Leafs on Saturday. So a lot of tough teams to play, especially Washington and Toronto. But... Um, yeah, something. <laughs> well, uh, it doesn't matter uh, who the Sens play because they're going through one of those slides where they can't beat anybody. Yeah, they're not so, doing well. Yeah. Um, the end to 2018, at least 2018 is over. Um, and you know what? 2018, the end of 2018 wasn't so bad early on. Like they had three giveaways against the Jackets. When, when they're solid, the Jackets are a top three team in the Metro. So that's pretty good. It's a tight 1-1 score heading into the third. Then a bad bounce goes in. It's 2-1. Oh, then another. Columbus is up 3-1. Great. Sends fight back. Tie the game at 3. Perfect. We're back in business. And then final few minutes of regulation. Jackets score. Add two empty netters. 6-3 loss. So uh, that's how 2018 ended for Ottawa. Honestly, I, I thought, considering how Ottawa played, I thought it was a winnable game. Uh, in the first 40 minutes, they only gave up 21 shots, but then a bad third period, five goals on 17 shots, obviously two empty netters. So it was like a three legit goals on 15 shots, but still um, just can't get the results or a lucky break to turn a hockey game around. That's what happens to a struggling rebuilding team, I suppose. Um, and then more of the same on Wednesday against Vancouver. Um, the Canucks able to pile on the shots early it was uh, 17 to five shots favoring Vancouver after 20. Uh, they had over 25 shots on the board when they finally uh, score against Ottawa in the second period. They had 30 shots by the end of 40 minutes. Um, but again, Ottawa's down by a single goal. They're hanging around. Okay, Vancouver scores. Oh, don't worry, the sense tied up, send it to overtime. But again, can't get that break. Peterson cats off the hat trick because of course, and um, the streak continues, and Ottawa was able to get one point, but not two. And uh, Vancouver beats them four to three. Uh, then we go to Saturday against Minnesota. Matt Duchesne scores late in the first. Excellent. Sends are ahead for a change. Outshooting many 15 to eight through 20 minutes. Minute into the second, Spurgeon scores. Tie game. The single gets his 16th. Two Minnesota goals. Put the Sens down by two or down by uh, a goal after two. Um, four two in the third. Sens make a game of it late. Still doesn't matter. They lose that game four to three. And then we go to Sunday against Carolina. Again, more of the same. Down by two goals early. Um, the Sens claw back. They were down four to two in the second. They have two late goals in the middle frame to tie it at four, give up a goal in the third, can't come back. Streak is now at eight games after a 5-4 loss to Carolina. So the reason why the Sens were so good, and I think part of it is because, a part of this losing streak is because Shabbat and Anderson are both hurt. I think uh, you really start to see the value in those two guys when they're not playing. But 
the reason why the Sens were so bad last year is because they had two separate losing streaks where it was at least six games long. And part of the reason why they weren't as bad early on this year is because they didn't have one of those. And now they're among the lowest of the low in the league. Um, they're, I think, eight games below 500 now. And uh, now they head into Death Valley uh, trying to make it so that their losing streak doesn't hit double digits. And it starts with a game against Anaheim on Wednesday. So um, I think out of out of the teams they could get a win against, probably not going to be San Jose. Of course, with their goaltending, sometimes you don't know. Um, but I think Anaheim and L.A. are probably the teams where they could pick up points against. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, wait, do they? But, they uh, you said they played San Jose. Is it in Ottawa? Uh, no, no. Carlson already came out to Ottawa. That was back oh, in right, December. Oh, right, right. I forgot about that. So Carlson's already made his return. So they're going on their Death Valley road trip now. Got so it, they're going to get um, all three parts of California. So. I missed that. Okay. Now, uh, they did have some off-ice news, of course. Uh, before the game against Vancouver, we had one of those trades where the players involved basically swap locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, sixth in 2019, goaltender Mike McKenna and Tom Pyatt, who was waived the day before, going to Vancouver in exchange for backup goalie Anders Nielsen and Darren Archibald, who is likely playing with Belleville now. Um, McKenna, honestly, was a class act. Um, during his short time in Ottawa. It sucks to see him go. Um, at the same time, I do think Nelson is a better backup to Craig Anderson, yeah. although a bit of a pricier one right now. Uh, he at least has some backup NHL experience that spans more than a few years. He's had a few bright spots as well. Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like he's had more moments where he's like, he kind of, um, he's been like a decent backup for you guys or for the the Canucks particularly where like there's been a couple of games where uh, in a row where he's been pretty good yeah so I I think in the long term um this trade probably benefits Ottawa especially considering the Canucks wake McKenna then McKenna was claimed by the Flyers so basically uh it's now Tom Pyatt and a sixth for Andrews Nielsen and Darren Archibald so Oh, McKenna, McKenna's not even on the Canucks anymore? No, no, Philly claimed him. Oh, so I didn't even realize that, okay. Yeah, because, of course, the Canucks have a young goalie prospect in Thatcher Demko. True. So my thought is, okay, they're going to send McKenna down to the AHL, uh, let him take the reins in Utica, then they're going to see what Demko's made of. Exactly what they did. The yep. only problem with that plan is the Flyers decided, hey, we like McKenna, let's claim him. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did, and now Vancouver doesn't have – a starter for Utica. So um, that's kind of uh, the loophole to that trade. So that's funny. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I also think that getting Anders Nielsen was important because uh, for the young goalies that the Sens have in Philip Gustafson and Marcus Hogberg, uh, they need to develop more in the AHL. I think Anders Nielsen buys them enough time to do that. Um, and when Craig Anderson returns, it's probably going to be the tandem of uh, Anders Nielsen and Craig Anderson yep. um, for the rest of the season. So um, we still don't know when Anderson, of course, is going to be back. So that's a wait and see. Um, that being said, speaking of Marcus Hogberg, uh, he played his first three games with the Sens this week, or actually four games. He 
uh, had a short outing against the Hurricanes on uh, Sunday, but he looked good in his debut against Washington. He made 21 saves on 24 shots. Uh, he was holding the fort against Columbus. He stopped 32 of 36. Um, that game against Vancouver was probably his best. He stopped 41 of 45. Um, a lot of times in the first half of that game, Vancouver exposed some holes in the Sens. They used their quick passes, their good forechecks, their speed. And as a result, Hogberg had to face some quality chances and responded with some very solid saves. Um, that being said, he's not perfect. Uh, there were some miscues with rebounds and positioning in his first few starts where it did cost him and the Sens. Um, but for a guy who's been thrown into a fire, he's done all he can do. He's learning. Uh, that's what we like to see. And it's it's definitely good that he's showing signs that he could help out the Sens uh, on the big stage. So that that's that's good, like Colin Deli in Chicago, where um, – you, you see guys doing well in the AHL and they come up to the NHL and and uh, they do some good work for you. So we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Marcus Hogberg follows that up. Uh, on the even brighter side of things, Christian Yaros back earlier than expected and JG Pajot not expected to play at all in the eyes of many. He, of course, suffered that torn Achilles during training camp in September. A lot of people thought, oh, well, he's not playing this year and he's back in the first week of January. And even scored his first goal of the year yeah. against Carolina. So good on him. Uh, Rudolph Balsers also made his NHL debut in the Carolina game. He scored his first career goal. So congrats to him. And uh, at the annual Sense Skills competition at the Canadian Tire Center, somebody set a record for the hardest shot at 108.3 miles per hour. I will give you one guess as to who that might be. Um, so this is a sense player. Sense player, new record for the hardest shot, 108.3 miles per hour. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I'm thinking it could be a defenseman, but for some reason, I'm thinking Brady Kachuk. I don't know. Well, you're close. It was actually Nick Paul, of all people who set uh, the record wow 108.3 miles per hour so yeah. good right. uh, good for nick paul probably one of his brightest moments as an ottawa senator yep. um and um we have uh, we do have some more off-ice news uh the rendezvous le breton group who i mentioned uh their project is probably dead in the water for a downtown arena well apparently now they're heading to mediation with the mission to try and resolve their differences before the national capital commission officially terminates their bid on January 19th. In all honesty, I think that's going nowhere, but maybe I'm proving wrong uh, on that. Um, I'm also hearing word that Melnick is okay with the Sens re-signing Stone and Duchesne. Uh, Mark Stone has already said he expects talks on a new deal to begin within the next few weeks. He hopes to stay. Um, honestly, I just hope they're productive and quick because if one or both aren't signed by February, they're out of here because yep. they're not losing them uh, for nothing. Uh, so time is already ticking on Pierre Dorian there. And uh, finally, the Sens, little bundle of joy, the puppy they'll be training for the next 12 months. Uh, he now has a name. His name is Rookie. Um, I do not know if they're going to change his name to Sophomore once he turns two years old, but uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess you could always just change your name. I was hoping for... Um... I was hoping for Shabark. You were hoping for Shabark, yeah. No, I, I, I would have taken that as well. But. I guess Rookie is okay. Whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, we're kind of short on time here. Um, it's almost two hours, so I'm. <laughs> I hope you guys stuck with us. We had a lot to talk about, so hopefully you forgive us. Uh, but um, yeah, my, uh, our, you can catch us on Twitter at Laysome Up, uh, Laysome Podcast. Our Facebook is Laysome Up. Um, you can email us at Lace Up uh, Podcast, Lace Up Bag at gmail.com um, if you have any uh, questions or concerns, I guess anything uh you can also check us out on soundcloud and itunes please follow us there um and give us reviews as well yeah, or, give, or give us show ideas or show ideas give us, anything give us main topics that probably we haven't thought of before. yeah anything really yeah. uh yeah you can even tweet at us all those um that would be great um yep i'm brett dubuff I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in our trade bait episode, episode 154 of the Lace Em Up podcast.